Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high. Hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, returning after my one-week hiatus to go uh, elk hunting last week. Uh, and joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Hill Senior NFL Draft Analyst, one and only Eric Trickle. Dude, last week, um, I didn't get a chance to check out you and Nick and Carl uh, breaking down the Broncos and, and everything following the uh, the Cleveland game. I will go and do that as soon as I possibly can. But, dude, it's it's, it's great to be back on air with you uh, talking some Broncos football. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, dealing with the snowy weather here in Alaska right now is uh, – mm-hmm. My uh, landlord tried to do a bunch of maintenance on our apartment, which just makes things extra annoying and extra cold, <laughs> but uh, doing really well. I mean, best I can be with the Broncos losing, hiding a lot of my uh, sorrows in draft coverage and stuff like that. So uh, just trying to find a way to cope with the Broncos four game losing streak. Yeah, I I feel you on that one, man. I, I mean, I, I got to watch the Raiders game before I left for Elk Camp, and then we didn't get to see any of the Cleveland game. I watched that last night um, while I was kind of tuning into the Green Bay and Arizona game. Um, and quite honestly, I just I don't know exactly what to think of that football game. Obviously, you know, we watched Jonathan Cooper play really well. Uh, Mike Purcell continues to be a liability in the run game just because he gets so much pressure, uh, so much interior penetration that he really gets himself out of the play. Um, not sure exactly what is going on with the rest of the pass rush, but for the most part, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of criticisms. We're not going to really dive into that, but, uh, to get back and to be able to, you know, cover everything with, with the Broncos going up against Washington this week, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm really excited to be back. We didn't get anything by the way. Um, so I'm probably going to be missing another episode here in the next couple of weeks. Not exactly sure when that will be yet, but uh, you guys will definitely be one of the first to know. But guys, uh, today we have a really good show for you guys. The the Broncos obviously play against the Washington football team. Adam Powerfield at Mile High on Sunday. Um, they really kind of need this game to get themselves back on the right track. And if they don't, like we're we're up against the the trading deadline. And there could definitely be some moves that the Broncos are going to make. We got, actually got some reporting from Albert Breer at uh, sportsillustrated.com and also from Mike Kliss at Nine News. So before we get into any of that, guys, uh, Muhammad Badri jumping in here with a $1.99 super sticker, the hashtag king of the super sticker. Always nice to see Mo uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the chat stream. But uh, guys, before we get going on any of that, got a good – get a couple of quick matters of business here, guys. Again, you guys are watching the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also shout out to Scott Kennedy behind the scenes uh, at Scout Kennedy. 
Folks, if you guys are also on Twitter, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's where you're going to get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos. Uh, film breakdowns, anything regarding the Broncos, that's where you're going to find it. Uh, Facebook supporters, make sure you guys go to Facebook.com. Uh, slash mile high huddle click that blue become a supporter button so you guys can get some premium content like the trickle zone like kelberman's corner and uh broncos book club with chad jensen on sundays um and guys we also have the giveaway that we have to kind of announce here as well we did hit the stars goal on facebook this month uh 250 000 stars guys keep them coming in because the more tickets you get in uh, the more stars you donate the more tickets you get in on that patrick sertan jersey which will be given away on monday's stream according to chad on monday's stream following the game against the, the Washington football team. So make sure you guys check out that. And also, we also have to give a, a large shout out to our YouTube following, the Super, Sat, the Super Chat Superstars top five guys that uh, are in the Super Chat Superstars are also going to be entered into that drawing as well. So make sure you guys tune in on Monday to Chad and Zach to see who gets that Patrick Sertan jersey as well. Scott's got him brought up here. Uh, we've got Mark from Georgia in the number one spot. Uh, Michaela Parker as well, the, the Duchess of the Mile High Huddle community. Naj Altaf, uh, Christy Ramiti, who is the queen of the Mile High Huddle community. Seth Harmon as well. So those are your top five uh, YouTube Super Chat superstars. So guys, make sure, again, tune in on um, Tune in on Monday to make sure you guys figure out who gets that uh, who gets that Patrick Sertan jersey. Really excited to, to look at that. And shout out to everybody else who, who donates. Without you guys, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, I'm going to get right into this really fast. Um, the, so I think it was yesterday. It might have been this morning. Albert Breer at uh, the, the Monday morning quarterback, he's a sportsillustrated.com as well, drops his uh, his weekly article and is talking about some of the names that could potentially be on the trading, uh, the trading block going into the trade deadline. And there's a couple of notable Broncos players on that list uh, to, to start it off here. Obviously, cornerback Kyle Fuller, who has not necessarily been playing great, Eric According to the information you were telling me earlier, and I haven't seen anything uh, necessarily official, so if you if you got something, let me know. But it sounds like contending NFC teams, teams that are winning on the NFC side of things, are really looking at Kyle Fuller. What have you heard, and what potentially could the Broncos get in return? Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Well, it was a uh, one of the main NFL reporters. I can't remember which one tweeted out about it that uh, a lot of the contending NFC teams ha- are showing a lot of interest in Kyle Fuller and that it seemed to be a priority for the Broncos to move him to the NFC. Um, there were about five teams named. I can't remember who all of them were, but like the Packers, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, 
those were all teams that were mentioned in the Buccaneers as well. Um, so something like that is probably keep an eye on teams want, you know, who need that little extra boost to certain areas. I know that the Tampa Buccaneers have been dealing with a lot of injuries in their secondary. The um, Arizona Cardinals, they've had some um, hiccups in their secondary. Green Bay Packers as well. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys are just possibly looking for depth. I don't, I'm not really familiar with how good they've been. So just something to keep an eye on there with. I mean, it's been a while that we've been speculating on the Kyle Fuller trade. I mean, we know that he was one that teams called on a lot in the preseason. And I don't think it just ever stopped now that he's been benched full time uh, or been on the bench full time for Patrick Sutan and Ronald Darby. Now that he's back healthy is just increasing that. Not sure what Denver can get for him. There's been a lot of speculation out there. I don't think that some of that speculation that's saying like a third round pick, that's not happening. I would be, it would be a day three pick and probably at best, probably like a fifth or sixth. And it could be something like, you know, like a 2023 pick even for him just because I mean, Kyle Fuller, he just was not looking good. No, he, he has not really been looking good. He's been burned deep a lot of times, especially early in games. He got burned by, uh, I think it was Deontay Johnson in the in the Pittsburgh game. There was another deep completion that he had. I believe it was against the Ravens that he was responsible for. Uh, Orange-colored glasses. Uh, actually, first things first, let me give a shout-out to Travis Weber, who's one of our top star donators over on Facebook, dropping $10 worth, man. Thank you so much for that. We really do appreciate you, buddy. Uh, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Broncos country. I know Fuller is suspected to be traded. Do you think anyone else? I read an article that suggested uh and sorry uh, uh, an article that suggested denver trades gordon thoughts on that we're going to get into that here in just a couple minutes we've got a, a a really good list here but orange colored glasses jumping in here on uh on youtube saying something that i mean he's got a he's got a point here it's a little bit something i disagree with but he says future draft picks don't help you win now well you do have a point there but eric elaborate a little bit on why you want those future draft picks i mean denver's not winning now um, <laughs> and orange colored glasses guy say I like the name, uh, and not wanting to be mean or anything to you, but thinking that this is a team that can win now or is built to win now is definitely wearing those orange colored glasses. They're not, and that's been made clear when they face challenging teams. They've just gotten dominated from start to finish, even though the scores have looked closer than they are. It's just not been, uh, it just hasn't been the best. And the biggest reason for that is that this is a team that has a lot of holes. And going forward, I mean, we're fully expecting a change of coaching staff, um, more changes in the front office. It's believed that John Elway will not re- or renew his contract. One of those things that I'll believe it when I see it. Um, Joe Ellis is another one who he's believed to be on his way out. Might do something short-term until a new ownership comes in. But uh, he's supposedly on the way out again. I'll believe that when I see it. But... Um, is just that when you get a new coaching staff in, I mean, there's just a lot of dead weight on this team and uh, just time to move on that on for that and try to build this team, um, build this team going forward and everything. And he also came in and says, you still have to try and compete. I mean, I'm not saying trade away all of the talent they have. I mean, there's still some good pieces that you want to keep. Like, um, you still want to keep like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and guys like that. You're not trading away everybody, just guys who you don't have in your future plans beyond 2022. You just go ahead and move them on. Get that future pick for it because that's a piece that you can get when a rookie that's on a cost-controlled con- cost contract that your no- new coaching staff believes that they can actually get something out of going forward. I mean, it's just a roster-building maneuver. 
Yeah, uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in here with some stars. Great to see Broncos country here on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos. And thank you, Michael, for joining us as well. And to elaborate on something that you had said there was to, to get those future picks and get rookies on cost control. Think about where the Broncos are at in the quarterback conversation right now. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't appear to be the guy in the long-term future. That was never actually the plan. Um, they seemingly refused to go to Drew Locke, even though the, the fan base is really crying out loud for Drew Locke to, to be the guy so that they can maybe see what the Broncos have with Drew Locke. But you get those future assets because they're trade weapons as well. Draft picks are also trade weapons. That's like 90% of the time you see uh, trades in the in the NFL draft is with draft picks. It's not with players. So you get you you get rid of, like Eric says, the dead weight. And Kyle Fuller, by the way, is owed about $7 million. Shout out to Scott for dropping that in our private chat here. But the, the Broncos owe Kyle Fuller about $7 million. If they can move that away from that contract, I, I, am, I, am I mistaken in saying that they can roll that money over into the next season and potentially actually use that to help bolster this team in free agency and get a guy that they actually do have in the long-term future, that's definitely a possibility there. But you you move on from Kyle Fuller. If you can get a fifth or a sixth round pick, it may not be much as far as trade assets, but it's something that you also have the ability to send off if you want to go and trade for a quarterback, whether that's in the draft or whether that's going to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers or a guy like Russell Wilson or a guy like Matt Ryan, who are all rumored to be like like heavily speculated that those guys are going to be available next offseason. So if you can get some more assets to be able to trade and get some future players for other other teams that are on cost controlled contracts like that's another way that you can go about this uh let's say hi to the rest of the chat really fast before we move on here uh jay kozad what's going on buddy we i uh, appreciate to see you he says we'll take a bag of chips for uh for fuller just get him gone get him out of here um james coke as well uh marcus lewis henna dropping some stars hi guys respect and love from the from the uk hey that's showing that Broncos country is not a geographical location. That's, in fact, a hashtag state of being. I got the hoodie on right now, by the way. Uh, Muhammad Badri, again, jumping in here. Uh, Manny G, it looks like, as well. Um, uh, Gary Smith. We've got Broncos 24-7 as well. Obviously, Orange Colored Grass is jumping in here. Richard Trujillo over on Facebook. Mark Lindemood as well. Uh, howdy, he says, uh, howdy, Eric and Lance and Scott. Uh, it's good to see everybody, and thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Now, guys, before we get into this, I do want to put the caveat on this here because obviously Kyle Fuller is a name that's being heavily speculated upon that could be a trade chip going forward. Um, Kareem Jackson was also named in that Albert, Albert Brewer piece. We'll get into that here in just a second. But it really is contingent. Like th This whole conversation we're going to get into is contingent upon what happens on Sunday against the Washington football team. Because if the Broncos win that game, they're sitting at 4-4. Four and four. They're probably not going to be sellers. They might actually go in and try to acquire another piece as well. Um, maybe a linebacker. They uh, they could potentially go out and get a, an offensive lineman, something like that, to kind of help bolster this team and maybe make a run towards the playoffs. However, if they lose, this team could turn into sellers. And that's something that Mike Kliss put out on his Twitter account the other day. This game is the ultimate pivot point for the Broncos. If they come out 500, they're going to be ready to, to make that push. If they come out at uh, at three and five, they could be looking to sell. Uh, base case jumping in here with the $5 super chat. Guys, it's mock season already. Assuming we pick anywhere from eight to 15, name three realistic options. We'll come back to that here in just a second. Um, actually, Eric, go ahead. Um. 
I mean, George Karlaftis, Aiden Hutchinson, those are my two of my favorite guys for the Broncos at this point. They really need to do more to bolster their edge be, uh, presence because outside of Von Miller, they don't get much. It's fortunate that Jonathan Cooper stepped up a little bit against the Browns, but I mean, outside of that game, every other game as a rookie, he struggled. Malik Reed's not cutting it. He's had one good game this year, and he's just the guy who relies on the coverage to hold up in order for him to get pressures, and when they don't hold up, he can't get that. So those are two guys I like there. I mean, it's another position, depending on the changes in schemes, they could be looking at another corner. Um, Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller, they're both on, possibly on their way out, one of them sooner than later. Um, Ronald Darby, he'll still be here. What's Michael Ojemudia going to be? They could be looking at another corner to try to pair with Patrick Sertan and kind of uh, and move around Ronald Darby a little bit. Um, Derek Seeley Jr. is one guy that I like there. Uh, Andrew Booth Jr. as well out of Clemson. Um, so it's a draft that early on, I mean, you don't want to be looking at quarterbacks, in my opinion, anyways. But offensive tackle, edge, and corner, those are three of the stronger classes. And I, there, and man, they, it, there's some guys that aren't necessarily can't miss, but look like they have a lot of serious potential. Um, John Juno came in real quick. I just wanted to get this out of the way. Said, um, anyone that's here that Jerry Judy didn't practice today, may not play Sunday. Um, expectation is that he will still play, and he was just sore. Just had a little bit of soreness in his ankle, so they just held him out for it, just as a rest day. That's all it was. Yeah, it was it was a rest day. Um, there was a report going around Twitter that was uh, debunked by Benjamin Albright, saying that uh, that's not actually true. They gave him a rest day today, like Eric said, had some soreness and whatnot, and he still is on track to play. So it sounds like the Broncos are going to get Jerry Judy for the first time since uh, the third quarter, I believe it was, of Week One against the New York Giants, and. Quite honestly, guys, Jerry Judy was tearing it up. He had six catches. I think it was like 67 yards or something like that before he got hurt. So that's a big boost for this Broncos offense. Now, getting back to the topic at hand here, guys, um, potential trade pieces. The the trade deadline is at uh, 2 p.m. Mountain Time on November 2nd, I believe is the day. So that should be next Tuesday. Um the, the Albert Breer put out on his Monday morning quarterback piece, there's some potential guys. We already talked about Kyle Fuller. The other one that he mentioned specifically, and it's not that the Broncos are necessarily shopping him, but they are willing to listen to offers on safety Kareem Jackson. Now, Eric, uh, why Kareem Jackson in this point? Is it just because he's an aging veteran on the last year of his deal, or do they think they can really get some value out of him? Aging veteran on last year of his deal after they, they let him go and then brought him back. Everybody knows all the drama that dealt with that. Um, his play hasn't been terrible. He just doesn't seem to really fit in with what the Broncos want to do defensively. And they have a guy behind him who in his limited action has looked good and probably just want to get him out on the field more. And when they go with more defensive backs, they're going heavy corner. I mean, Bryce Callahan, Patrick Satan, Ronald Darby, and then just still two safeties. So there's not this third safety role that we're used to from Vic Vangio. So Moving Kareem Jackson, that opens the door for Caden Stearns to get out there on the field and see what he can do. Because at a certain point, this Broncos team, they need to hit, hit evaluation mode. Evaluating the young guys, their rookies, their second-year players, and seeing what they can get out of them. We're seeing a lot out of Justin Sernod that's pointing in the wrong direction for him. But Baron Browning, fortunately, he's healthy. He's expected to play this week, see what he, we'll get out of him. Caden Stearns trading Kareem, uh, Kareem Jackson will pave the door for that. We're getting a lot of um, action from Patrick Sertan and uh javante williams i want to get quinn I, I think that they should get quinn miners out there more often i've been hammering that point home because dalton riser and graham glasgow have not been good and i would expect probably graham glasgow to likely be gone i, I would personally look at trying to get him to take a pay cut because he hasn't been the biggest issue on the interior offensive line he's actually been the best one of the three 
but got to figure something out and you want to get Quinn Miners evaluated, see what you have in him going forward and so on and so forth. Kerry Vincent Jr., Jamar Johnson. I mean, moving Kareem Jackson also has a trickle-down effect with getting Jamar Johnson out there on the field a little bit yeah. with a um, trying to fill in for Caden Stearns in his role. So opens up the door to get, to get younger players out there and evaluated. So we'll see what happens. I'm not sure they actually end up trading him. I'm not sure what teams would be interested in him at his age and the way he's been playing. But uh, if they feel like they can use him in a dime backer type role, something closer to the line of scrimmage, limiting it, limiting him in coverage where he's struggled the most possibly, but even against the run, there's been some issues with his tackling that will probably scare off some teams. Now, just off the top of my head, I was kind of running through some, uh, some teams that might potentially be interested in a Kareem Jackson, uh, Miami, Brian Flores. Uh, I don't necessarily know. They're not a contender by any stretch of the imagination, but th- like that would be a, a really good fit for him, for Kareem Jackson, because Brian Flores likes to run a lot of cover zero blitzing stuff and Kareem Jackson coming downhill is it, like, that's a great fit for him. I don't necessarily think that that is like a, a potential thing to happen, but I mean, you never know this. This is the NFL. Obviously it's the most unpredictable sport probably in the entire world. And they like, you never know exactly what's going to happen there. So it, it could be a contender looking for an extra body in the back end of their secondary, maybe green Bay there. Um, you might be able to see like maybe, uh, maybe the, the uh, Los Angeles Rams where they still run that kind of cover four hybrid that, that match quarter scheme on the back end of that secondary, that if they're looking for some depth behind uh, and looking to fill the John Johnson role that they, that they lost to the Cleveland Browns this year, that might be a team that you could look out for, but it, it's mostly speculation at this particular point. Uh, so we'll kind of break away from that. Travis Weber jumping in here with some more stars. He says, it's not related to the Broncos because I know that Watson Deshaun Watson is not going to come to Denver, but I'm confused about the Panthers in on him when they said they were out but today they said they would throw McCaffrey in to acquire Deshaun Watson I have not seen anything on that Eric what do you got the Panthers just seem to be looking like a poorly run organization um I mean the trade that they gave for Sam Darnold was mind-boggling a little bit with the total value they gave up for him trying to bet on something that was unlikely to happen but um then turn around and being willing to go in big on Deshaun Watson. Like, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't think that Deshaun Watson's going to end up traded this year. I think that the best bet would be Miami. And the word out of Miami is that they want the whole, all the the legal stuff to be settled and everything. And that just doesn't seem to be going to happen. So don't think we get a Deshaun Watson trade. I don't either. Uh, Colby, uh, Colby Collier jumping in on Facebook, throwing some stars up. Uh, looks like $4 worth of stars, and we appreciate you, buddy. Nothing to say, just showing some love. Lawrence Rivera as well dropping some stars. So I wanted to bring in a quarterback to compete with Locke, and instead we got an ex-Viking that got given the, the job, and our coaches completely failed. We need to start building around Locke with a way better coaching staff and get him a wide receiver or a running back that's a star, not just the middle of the pack as we've seen how that holds up. Uh Quite honestly, I Lawrence, I understand where you're coming from here, but I'm going to debunk that just a little bit. Um, Cortland Sutton is a top 10 wide receiver right now in terms of yardage. He's literally number 10 in the NFL in terms of receiving yards. That's a star. Cortland Sutton is an amazing player. They also have Jerry Judy in there as well. Um, that's like they, Tim Patrick, we're probably not going to see him in a Broncos uniform after this season, but they got KJ Handler. They, they've surrounded both of these quarterbacks, both Teddy and Drew Locke, with as many weapons as they possibly could. They went out, they got Javante Williams in the in the draft. They still have Melvin Gordon, who's playing pretty decent football right now. I don't think it's necessarily a 
lack of weaponry. I think it's a lack of ability and uh, like a lack of IQ between the between the ears, man. Like you got to understand where you got to go with the football, understanding what all five guys out in the route, or if that's what they're doing, all five guys out in the route. Um, you got to know how to take care of the football, not force the situation and understand like it's, it's, it's much more than just the the receivers and the, the running backs and tight ends around them. Because quite honestly, if this team's healthy, they have a top 10 group of, of playmakers at the skill positions. Like, the quarterbacks just have to play better. That's it, really all there is to it. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't given the job. He won it, and he won it in the film room where Drew Locke just doesn't even hold a candle to Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke's not a doesn't have a high football IQ. He struggles to read defense, read defenses, and that's why last year in the final few games of it, they had to really switch up their offense to make it basically. You read the safety. Where does the safety go? That determines where Drew Locke's going with the ball. Like it really wasn't that hard to see. wasn't that hard to watch film and catch. That was the case. And it's been heavily reported that that was the case as well. I mean, that's where drew lock won. He made all these other improvements. He spent time with Peyton and tried to improve there. Just didn't show up. No, I, I definitely agree with you there. Now getting back to our comp. Actually, hold on. We got uh, Joe Harrington jumping in here and he says, yeah, what's wrong with our wide receiver group? Wide receiver is definitely not a need. They just need to stay healthy. And that's exactly right. I mean, Jerry Judy missed what six games with the high ankle sprain. It sounds like he's going to be able to go this weekend. Uh, KJ Hamler is now on injured reserve with the torn ACL. Uh, Tim Patrick has been playing great football. He still is going on without a drop. I mean, it's, he's now, I think over a hundred targets, a hundred consecutive targets without a drop right now. Um, Again, Cortland Sutton, the top 10 wide receiver in terms of yards right now. Uh, it's it's not that there's anything wrong with the wide receiver group. There's the, they got to stay healthy. And the quarterback, both of them, Teddy Bridgewater has not been great, but he hasn't been absolutely terrible. They both had, just have to play better. Um, so getting back to our conversation at hand here, speaking of the skill position players, now this is one that is kind of pie in the sky. I don't necessarily think that it's going to happen, but – if the Broncos do lose against the Washington football team on, on Sunday, the Broncos have a, a spare running back who hasn't been nearly as effective as their rookie running back in terms of yards per carry and in terms of explosive plays and stuff like that. And Melvin Gordon, is there a potential trade market for a Melvin Gordon out there? I mean, possibly. Um, it's, it's speculating on trade markets always difficult because especially with running backs with how they're valued, but there's a lot of teams that are struggling to get their running game going. They're struggling with running backs getting hurt. So, I mean, it's possible that you could end up seeing a market for Melvin Gordon develop. But I just question if uh, if um, Denver will be willing to move him because I think that they're, they're pretty set on keeping their right. two-back attack going. Well, and you got to think about it. Melvin Gordon's, what, 28 years old, something like that. He's been in the league for a long time, got a lot of carries underneath his belt, especially going back to his time at Wisconsin where he was uh, the lead back there. And they, uh, no, Wisconsin running backs are notorious for being run into the ground. I mean, Jonathan Taylor has a, has had a pretty decent career thus far, but Melvin Gordon before him, uh, Monte Ball, Ron Dane, like the list goes on and on of running backs that played three or four years at the University of Wisconsin and got – you know, 300 carries every single year. Um, it, that's just what they do there. So the the high number of carries that Melvin Gordon had coming into the NFL and what he already has, not only just carries, but catches as well, uh, something that I have a big issue with with Pat Shermer, by the way. But uh, I don't think that there's necessarily a huge market for Melvin Gordon because 
even though he's he's got the he's a tough physical runner, he's got some speed to him as well. Uh, he just has never truly been a, a great runner. But the like, it's hard it's hard to say that he's he's been a great player. Don't get me wrong, but he's never been a true like top five running back in this league. I don't think that there's there there's ever been any time that he was a top five running back in, in the NFL at all. So, yeah, I don't dis- I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Like it, the, the the market for Melvin Gordon just doesn't necessarily exist. Now, another one that we want to kind of talk about, and there was some very pointed comments that came out of him the other day in his press conference. Eric, I'm not sure if you actually heard any of that, uh, but Von Miller. This is the elephant in the room, guys. The 32-year-old Von Miller, um, one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player in franchise history, is uh, he's in the last year of his contract hasn't necessarily been the huge game changer that everybody wants him to be and everyone expects him to be, but he's still been pretty good. This team is, if they lose this game, they're not going any anywhere anytime fast. Like the, it, Von Miller would be probably the, the highest asset that the Broncos could re- recoup some, some high-end value there. Eric, am I wrong in thinking that Von Miller could potentially be on his way out of Denver on, on Tuesday? You're muted. I don't think that Denver will end up moving on from him. Um, Not necessarily because I don't think that they have plans for him going forward. Um, I think that even if they, they lose against Washington, I don't think that they're going to fully give up on the season, which is why I'm looking more at like kind of dead weight kind of players, guys like Kyle Fuller, um, somebody like Kareem Jackson, who's Mm -hmm. really been struggling getting the younger guy out there. Behind Von Miller, they don't have anybody. So right. if they still want to go and try and compete going forward and try to turn the season around, which I don't think they'll be able to, they're not going to move Von Miller from that. I mean, if they're just completely throwing in the towel, then yeah, possibly. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that's what we're going to see from this coaching staff or even George Payton. Right, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but the one thing that I will say here is that if the Broncos are at 3-5, and five, they, they, they go up against the uh, Dallas, I believe it is, the, the week after, uh, so it'd be next week. Um, it, that's that's a game in Dallas, and Dallas is a 5-1 and one football team, and they look to be a legitimate contender in the NFC. They also, like, if you really look at the, the rest of the schedule, they only have two truly games that I think that are really winnable for this team. They have the Philadelphia Eagles and then the Detroit Lions after this week because the Cincinnati Bengals, that team, everyone thought that they were going to just roll over and die and be the, the doormat of the, the, the AFC North. But they have one of the best deep threat, if not the best deep threat in the NFL, in Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow is slinging the ball all around the yard. That offensive line is playing really good football up front. They're opening up some run lanes for Joe Mixon. The defense is playing a heck of a lot better than everyone really expected them to. They just put a beat down on the Baltimore Ravens, I think on the road, if I'm not mistaken. But So then after that, they have five games against the, uh, the AFC West. And four of those games are against the Chiefs and the Chargers. Like this, the schedule doesn't necessarily loosen up for them. So at three and five, you really got to hope that you steal a game from, from the chiefs. If you can steal a game from the chargers, if you can, and then win that the last game against the Raiders that you have, like there's not necessarily a true direction for this team to be actually competitive. They need to win this game to, to make sure that they can get themselves back on the right track. If they don't, there's a definite possibility that they do right by Von Miller and say, you're in the last year, your deal not necessarily a long-term future piece for this franchise. Let's get you to a contender. 
Let's do right by you and put you in a, a position where you can go in and be a, a, a legitimate, um, a legitimate impacting piece for a contender. And quite honestly, I'd love to see him in Buffalo. If, if, if that's what they wanted to do, if Buffalo would be the, the place that I'd like to see him go. Why, why do we assume that he's not part of the, the future for this just because of his age? Uh, part of that, yes. Um, the the, the drop off, not necessarily um, in terms of pressure, but being being able to get home. And there's there's still some more issues that go along with that. Uh, he is playing at a, a relatively high level, and I think you can get another two or three years out of him. But if you're if you're gonna be legitimate sellers and try to rebuild this team under George Payton and go in a completely different direction, get a new coaching staff in here. Um, not that Von Miller is not scheme transcendent, and he can go and still be a, a highly impactful piece for you. But is there is it not a bad line of thinking to say take the assets you can get from him for right now and move forward in a different direction and try to rebuild this team that way? I mean, even Von Miller now is probably going to be better than what you get out of those draft picks, and it's a piece that is actually enticing to a coach, especially a defensive minded coach, which seems to be the way that they're leaning. They want a defensive guy for the head coaching job. I know that's going to upset a lot of fans, but. He's the type of player that you just want on your defense because he is still so good as a player. I know that there's issues with his his sack totals and all this stuff like that, but I mean, when you watch him, it's very easy to see why he's not getting as many sacks as he was, and it's not because of him. It's not because he's not he's any less right. explosive. He's the type of piece that you want. He's the type of piece that you use for to try to get a new coaching staff. So if you trade him now and then you go in and you want a new coach and you're, the guy that you want is like, oh, we should have had – I want a Von Miller type. Well, you just traded him. So, I mean, there's options that you can do with him after the point of you hiring a coach. So you keep him on, you talk with your coach to figure out what he wants. And then if he doesn't want it, you can place the franchise tag on him and see what happens there. That's, that's a fair point. The one other thing that I will kind of say is the caveat on uh, uh, another caveat to this conversation is what's the future hold for Bradley Chubb? I mean, it, obviously the injuries are mounting up for him. Um, I, I don't believe the Broncos have exercised the, the fifth-year option on him. I might be wrong on that one, so forgive me if I am there. Um, but does the team view Bradley Chubb as a, as a cornerstone pass rusher and maybe they can go get a guy in the draft like a George Kaloftis or uh, – um, damn, his name is escaping me. Aiden Hutchinson. That's the one. Thank you. Um do you think that they can go in, in that direction, just get younger at the position and use whatever assets they can to maybe get into the quarterback conversation in free agency? It's possible. Um, but I mean, the thing still comes back to Von Miller with and Bradley Chubb is that there's still pieces. I mean, I know Bradley Chubb has his injury history and to be concerned about, but he's still a really good pass rusher when he's right. out there on the field. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, those pass rushers are so important to majority of defenses, if not all defenses, because you went up front and then you went to help your coverage. And so you want those pass rushers. I mean, and then going and getting George Karlaftis or Aiden Hutchinson, neither of them are the sure thing like you have in Bradley Chubb when he's healthy or Von Miller when he's out there on the field. Right. So getting those assets for it, I mean, hey, that's great, but you're still giving up huge pieces. And then all you're doing is you want to talk about not preparing your coaching staff or not giving, you, uh, giving your coaching staff the pieces. You just took away one of their best two pass rushers by trading him. And then with, if you do that with fun, um, if you trade away Bradley Chubb, even though, and now you can trade players on injured reserve, by the way, if you do that and decide or do this on the off season and you have no Von Miller, then you're really screwed at the position. So right. it's a matter of, you don't want to trade both of them. You want to keep your options for going forward with what you have, especially with the new coaching staff coming in. 
which just plays into more of the fact that I don't see them moving Von Miller. Right. And James Koch actually jumped in here. I want to give him a shout out early fast. The Broncos did exercise that fifth year option. He is under contract through next season as well. Uh, Colby Collier jumping in here, dropping some stars. Why get rid of Tim Patrick? We're going to jump into this really fast because this was one of the next guys that I had on my list here. Uh, why get rid of Tim Patrick? He's playing well and is a big target. A better quarterback could make him great. Or will we actually get something of value for him? Um, one thing that I've heard very frequently, if you listen to Broncos Country Tonight, Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright, um, the one team that could potentially be in the market for a guy like Tim Patrick would be the New Orleans Saints, who are getting ready to move away from uh, the uh, Michael Thomas, the the slot machine or the, the the slant machine. Everyone wants to call him Slant Boy and stuff like that. He's a better receiver than that. But if you were to in, uh, insert Tim Patrick into that role, that guy's going to feast. The reason why you would want to do something like this with a Tim Patrick is because if you're going to move on from him, you're not going to afford him. It's because you're going to go and you're going to take Cortland Sutton. You're going to take the high upside guy in Cortland Sutton, roll with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and, and move in that direction. Tim Patrick has not necessarily outplayed his welcome here because that's not necessarily true. He's a great, great wide receiver. And I think that the Broncos, if they did want to go the value route, would, would be better suited to move on from Cortland Sutton and keep Tim Patrick in the fold. However, they can't pay both of those guys. They can only pay one of them. And which one would you rather have? Cortland Sutton, who impacts as a high wide receiver number one, or Tim Patrick, who's a low-end wide receiver one, borderline wide receiver two? Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, going forward, I, mean, I I try to figure out a way to keep them both. I just don't think that's going to happen. Right. And when it comes to that is I give the edge for Cortland Sutton to stick with this team. He's younger. Health is a question, yes. but And he's better. Yes. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Youth and ability. And Tim Patrick, he's going, he's going to be 30 years old next year, I think. And people people often forget that because he didn't really start to show up until a couple of years ago. And he's had severe injury concerns in his history, too, which is leading to questions about how long his longevity. But I just want to grab this real quick from Jay Kozad. says, Chubb has missed more games than he's played. Uh, that is not true. Even if he misses all the rest of the season, he still won't miss more games than he's played in. Right. Uh Chubb's an interesting one. It, it, it's so hard to have a conversation about him just because has he actually been that return on the investment that you got with the, with the number five overall pick? No, but when he's on the field, he plays like a number five overall pick. You just want him to be on the field and available more often. Uh, Kenny Booker. What's up, dude. Good to see you in the, good to see you in the chat again, man. It's been a long time. It was really fun to be able to hang out with you in Denver. Need to need to be able to go in and do that again here soon. Uh, what's up fellas. If the Broncos continue to skin, uh, who say, uh, Cortland Sutton passes on staying here. Hashtag nightmare scenario. That is another good observation there because Cortland Sutton is in year four. He's in the last year of his contract. He does have the ability to move on if the Broncos don't extend him a contract. If that is the case, then Tim Patrick has to be a high priority for this team. George Payton will throw money at him. Yes, he will. George Payton is the huge, huge fan of Cortland Sutton and what he can bring to this team. I mean, it's been made clear by in multiple interviews, um, the behind the Broncos or whatever that YouTube series was made it clear George Payton is a huge, huge believer in Colton's son going forward. Um, real quick, Broncos 2447 came in. Says, keep Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller, draft A. Hutchinson, or K. Elam. Thoughts, Eric? Uh, I don't know. I have to check in with Tim Jenkins. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> anyways. Anyways. Broken. Um, 
So with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, I mean, it's an interesting discussion because I think that with Tim Patrick, with how well he's played, with the lack of drops, that you still have to be a uh, be concerned about his age and his injury history still. I mean, it's been bad enough that it's constantly a concern with him. Um, so it's an interesting discussion because, yeah, that age, it's such a factor for wide receivers because like corners, they just eventually hit a wall and they stop mm-hmm. producing. Mm-hmm. And what's how much time does Tim Patrick have left? As I said, I would really like to see what Tim Patrick can, if Denver is able to bring them both back, I would look at like a four or five-year deal with Cortland Sutton and then like a two-year deal with Tim Patrick or even a one-year deal. Give him another year to try to go out. But I just think that he's going to go and try to capitalize off of this year with the injuries. Getting Jerry Judy back obviously is going to impact that a little bit. But uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But it's a very interesting discussion to have. It really is because they 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 profile as similar players. Obviously, they're both big bodies. They they both run pretty well for their size. Um, both big catch radius guys. They're very physical at the point of attack. They they do profile very similarly. It's just, do you want the Tim Patrick, like Eric says, older has an injury history as well, or the Cortland Sutton who has already shown to be a top ten top five level receiver in the NFL shoot a couple of years ago. He was I think seventh in yards. I think it was, uh, was a 2018, 2019 with, with, uh, um, with Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen and drew lock throwing in the football. And then he was top seven in the NFL in terms of yards. And I think top five or top six, something like that in terms of touchdown catches. Like this is a guy that can be a legitimate difference maker for your team. He's a great possession receiver, great jump ball receiver. Do you want to move on from something like that to have a Tim Patrick who projects as, like I said, a, a borderline wide receiver one, maybe wide receiver two, a great X receiver, don't get me wrong, but it's it's very fun to be able to have that conversation. Now, uh, let's see here. Let me run to the comment section really fast, see if we can grab something to, to bounce off of this. If not, I'm going to go into the next guy that I have as far as a potential trade piece. Um, uh, here's one. I actually brought it up with Nick last week. Okay. Okay. Um, would you listen to offers for Noah Fant? Uh man, that's really hard. Um, yes, I would. And I, the the reason I the reason I'll say that is this, Eric. You might think this is hot takey, and I might be over speculating this is uh, in in a bad way. I don't think Noah Fant's checked into this team right now. I really don't. I think that there's. I think that he has some issues with the play calling. I think he has an issue with his role as far as them using him as an inline blocker more often than not. I think that he wants to be an explosive pass catch tight end like you see with Darren Waller, with Travis Kelsey, with with George Kittle. He wants to be that kind of a guy. And Pat Shermer isn't necessarily utilizing him like that. Like I said, this might be a little bit hot takey, and I don't think that there's an effort value with, with Noah Fant. And it shows a lot in his effort level as a blocker. He's been a terrible blocker all season long. And even when he does get out in the pass routes, he's not creating enough separation. He's not necessarily playing very hard in that. He'll catch wide open balls out in the flat and need to make a play, make a man miss, and just can't do it. It's it's like I don't want to say he's checked out because it's not necessarily fair, but I don't think he's necessarily checked in by any stretch of the imagination. Now, Nick raised the point of after the death of his mother so suddenly and before the season, if that's playing into it, if it's eating that away at way at him mentally. But I want to come back and I want to talk about the whole blocking bit. He's the number one tight end. He's got to stand. He's got to hold up as a run blocker, and it's not like they're keeping him in as a pass blocker, like at an unheard of amount. 
It's just your average usage as a pass blocker. Right. So, I mean, we can't give this give this thing of like, oh, they're using him as a blocker and he may not want that. Well, that's 50% of your job right there as a tight end. If you don't want to do that, don't be a tight end. Like, I know his size and everything kind of impedes that a little bit, but even if he's lining up as a receiver, you still got to block a little bit. So uh, you got to sit there and you got to do your job. And as far as a receiver, he's not being asked to do much differently from he was the last, from last few years. Right. So it's just, I do question how much he's checked into this team, but I wonder if some of it is uh, dealing with outside stuff. And Broncos 2447 real quick is I can take criticism perfectly fine. I have no issues taking criticism. I take criticism every single day from my bosses, from my friends, from my colleagues. Um, the issue is, is when somebody comes in and starts telling me that I have no idea what I'm talking about and go watch somebody else who I've already seen all of his videos with and don't agree with what his analysis is and then proceeds to ask me I, my opinion on something. Like you clearly made it, you made it very clear what you think of my opinions. So don't ask my opinion for something else. Right. Chase Wellner jumping in here with the $2 super chat. What team other than Denver needs Patrick the most? Well, I can think of one right now that's really hurting at the wide receiver position. Actually, two of them. They're both in the NFC. So that gets uh, Tim Patrick out of the AFC if you're actually going to move on from him. Like I said, the New Orleans Saints. They're missing Michael Thomas really bad. He projects very well in that role. And the other one is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, it, name me another receiver on the Green Bay Packers other than Devontae Adams. Randall Cobb, <gasps> the ghost of Randall Cobb. Oh, and you, your boy, you dare, your boy. I know your you boy. Dare, you dare speak ill about Marquise Valdez Scantling. I know. Wow, I, you I, dare. I, no. I, the I Packers, the Packers make sense. They could use another passing, the another weapon on that offense that they just don't have. Um, there's a few other teams that make sense as well. Um, I had one right when I started talking about it, but uh, I can't and remember honestly, who it was. Honestly, there was, there was honestly, another one that came to mind and then just immediately – you threw me off with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Well, but honestly, the the uh, the Los Angeles Rams could use a, a true proto, prototypical X. Robert Woods is not that guy. Cooper Cup is a great receiver there as well, but they don't have a prototypical X receiver. That profiles See, very well there. I thought about the Rams for a while, but they're opening up a trade off to listen to trade offers for Deshaun Jackson because they want to get Tutu Atwell out there on the field. Getting another receiver is just going to impede that a little bit with the receivers they have. So I don't think they would be. Um, be an option for it, but it was another NFC team. Um, I can't remember who it was. San Francisco, uh, San Francisco could be a guy looking for a prototypical X. They got Debo Samuel, <laughs> they've got uh Brandon Ayuk. Like, like I'm trying to think who's of barely the, played exactly. He's in the doghouse, like, like, yeah, he is. He absolutely is in the doghouse. He's also been injured a lot. There, there's that as well. I'm, I'm like, like, I'm just trying to think of teams that could really use a prototypical big body possession receiver. Because the Rams, Robert Woods might be that guy, but I would take Tim Patrick over Robert Woods in a heartbeat, quite honestly, especially in that offense. Like Matt Stafford would destroy it with Tim Patrick. That would be a great fit for him. Um, so that's that's just a, a couple of teams for you to take a look at. Travis Weber jumping in here with a with another bunch of stars. I don't think anyone on the team except for Pookie, so uh, Javante Williams, and Patrick Sertan has checked in since after week three. That might be a little hot takey there. Um, the one that I would argue, I mean, the, the one that I would argue the most would be, um, I think Von Miller's checked in as well, but the one that I would argue the most, especially offensively is Garrett Bowles. That, that guy loves this team. He really does. He may not be playing at the, at the all pro level that he was last year, but he still is checked in. He cares. That guy definitely cares about what the direction this team is going in. 
there's a lot of players that are checked in into the team. It's just the issue is that some of them, the losing is getting to them. doesn't mean that they're any less checked in. It's just that they want to get this turned around and, uh, and get it and start winning games. I mean, we saw this with Jerry Judy last year. I mean, there are times where he didn't seem checked in, but he still went out there. He still tried to do his best and do his job. Um, and he voices frustrations and had a humbling game after he voices frustrations with how uh, little he was targeted then turn around and dropping five passes in a game. But I mean, it's just, there's a lot of players that are checked in. It's just when they're not checked in, it's very noticeable. You don't see the fight from them. And there's still quite a few players. Draymond Jones, Vaughn yep. Miller. Yep. You still see the fight from them. Mike Purcell, even when he's playing poorly, yep. even when he's playing hurt, he was still fighting for it. Um, Justin Simmons, even yep. when he plays poorly, he's still fighting for it. I mean, he was, got into it with the head with the coaching staff after the during the Raiders game because they are not doing stuff that calling things that he does best and they're changing up a lot of stuff and yeah like well I mean even though even though it doesn't necessarily seem like he's not playing the greatest but Dalton Reisner is definitely checked into this team this is his favorite team growing up he grew up in what Morgan Colorado like a, a couple hours away from Denver like he is definitely a, a checked in Broncos player it might be replacement level right now, but he's definitely checked into this team. Um, Cortland Sutton as well. Um, I would argue a guy like Eric Saubert is probably in there as well. So th- there's, there's teams that are, th- there's players that are definitely checked into it. It is a fun conversation though, because there are some guys on the defensive side of the football, namely one Shelby Harris. And I'm going to drop the name there that has gotten into multiple conversations, multiple altercations with Vic Fangio. So that one might be something that uh, you watch out for. Eric, I'm going to drop the hot question for you. And I know where your answer is going to go, but I've, I've seen it a lot on Twitter. I've seen a lot on Facebook. I've seen it pretty much everywhere on social media and talking with some people as well. Um, has this Broncos locker room fractured? Are they starting to break away from this coaching staff a little bit? Or is that a little bit too early to tell? They're definitely having their issues. They're definitely having issues with play calling, issues with game planning. They're having their issues. And veterans in the locker room are trying to keep it together. But this coaching staff, with comments that they've made in press conferences, they're not helping anything. There is a lot of pointing blame at the players, and that's one of the worst things you can do as a coach. Um, and their attempts to pull blame on themselves are just kind of like very, like, lack of a better way to put it, mediocre attempts to try to put the blame on themselves. So, right, it's just it, it's definitely got they definitely have their issues in the locker room, but I'm not sure that the locker room has fully given up on Vic Fangio yet, but they are headed that way. I don't disagree with you on that. You look at some of the the pointed comments that are coming out of guys like Von Miller, um, guys like, again, Shelby Harris. Um, You've got uh, Graham Glasgow, I think is who it was, a couple of weeks ago that was saying, you know, guys aren't holding up, they're not being accountable. Justin Simmons as well. Like there there are some prominent figures in this locker room that are talking in ways that – you probably shouldn't be talking in, especially considering, you know, the direction of this football team. They've lost four straight guys and they've been losing for five years. And these guys know it, whether they've all been here for that, the over the course of the last five years, they know what's going on and they know what they're, they know what they're being coached to do. They know what they're being asked to do. They know how they're playing. They're trying to hold each other accountable. The coaching staff is kind of deflecting some blame onto them. But the one thing that I continue to hear every single time I hear one of the coaches speak is it comes down to coaching and technique. We've got to do a better job teaching this technique. We've got to do a better job of coaching these players. 
So if that's what they're hearing, if that's what these players are hearing on a daily basis, and that's, you know, the, the direction that's going in, especially in the locker room, that might be something that's going to fracture this team a lot faster than it should be. And if they lose this game against Washington, you might start seeing cracks, not just fractures, but full-blown cracks and breaks in the foundation of this team. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, we're starting to see the splintering now, but uh, a win will help solve some of that. Going back to doing what some of these uh, players, what they can do best instead of not allowing them to do what they do best will help. Um, but that involves the coaching staff not being stubborn old dudes and yep. they're all stubborn old dudes. Yep. All right. One last one before we go into a, a quick breakdown. Holy cow, we're at 50 minutes. I didn't realize that. Uh, one one last quick player that I want your opinion on here as a potential trade piece. I don't think that this actually happens. I think that the Broncos need to extend this player, um, especially because when he does play, he's got an injury history. Uh, don't get me wrong. But when he does play, he's a top probably 10 cornerback in the NFL, Bryce Callahan. As far as a slot cornerback, he might be the best slot cornerback in the, in the league right now. This guy is playing an incredibly high level of football. And there's definitely some questions with him. Obviously, last year of his deal, the, you have the injury concerns. You had the, the foot issue last year. Um, there's been some other stuff that's gone on with him, some ankle injuries and stuff like that. Um, there, there could be some value with him, especially, again, going back to the Kyle Fuller conversation, contending NFC teams like the uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the Green Bay Packers, Dallas, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, potentially even the, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. They could be looking for some more cornerback help. And Bryce Callahan is a guy that you can actually be um, get some return on your investment, get some value back for him. Like I said, I think that the Broncos need to extend him. They need to make him a cornerstone player of this franchise. But with guys like Kerry Vincent Jr., with guys like Esang Bassey, who could be potentially coming off the PUP list here soon, maybe this team wants to look into the future a little bit and to see what they got in guys like that. Eric, what do you think about Bryce Callahan and his future with the Denver Broncos? I mean, I question if he has a future in here, future with the team post Vic Fangio which is one of the reasons why I would consider trading him, despite how good he has played. He has been a little rough the last couple of weeks. Um, but the thing is, it's kind of one of those things of not quite full, the full extent of my opinion with trading Von Miller, but not far off, is even with a loss, I think that this team, the coaching staff in particular, will try and go full mode on trying to turn things around. And one of that is keeping Bryce Callahan here because they just don't have a slot corner like him um, that can play as well. I mean, Bossy, Vincent, uh, Gary Vincent Jr., they're both still unknown. Bossy had a couple rough games, mostly rough games last year. So uh, I just don't know if that's the way they'll go, is trading one, trading a guy who's been one of their more consistent corners, um, especially out of their best slot corner and only slot corner at this moment in time, um, if that's good if that's going to fit in with what the coaching staff is feeling after this game, even after a loss. Right. Uh, there's another one that, that, that there was a comment in here. I want to grab that really fast. Excuse me for stuttering over myself. And I, I do apologize guys for uh, my, my son, Kevin is freaking out in the background. So I apologize for that. Uh, who was it? Where is it at? Let me see here. Uh, it was, Oh, James, James coach or James coach just coming in here. He says, how long is uh, Michael Ojemudia out for crying out loud? Um, sounds like he could be returning here soon as well. So 
if if the Broncos do have anyone that they could potentially look forward to uh, look on look to moving forward from would be Kyle Fuller or Bryce Callahan kind of for the stated out reasons there. And and Eric, I do agree with you. Bryce Callahan has arguably been the best cornerback on this team. And yes, for the person that says we have a corner playing well, Bryce Callahan, there's a reason why you don't hear his name on Sundays very often because he has been locked down. Teams don't target him. They just, they just haven't done it. He went up against Darren Waller, played very well at the tight end position, and everybody knows how, who Darren Waller is. He's a great player. Um, held his own against uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown as well in, in the Ravens game, held up against uh, Deontay Johnson in the Steelers game when they were matched up. Like it, Bryce Callahan's been playing at a freaking damn good level. Like that's This is a guy that, you, like I said, you could, you could return, some, return some value on the investment there uh, move on, maybe get a, a – you might be able to get a third or a fourth-round pick for him. But, I mean, there, there could be a, a future with him. There really could be. Um, now, Eric, we're going to pivot off of this. We've got about five minutes here. Let's get into the uh, the game against the Washington football team coming up uh, up here on Sunday. Um, for you, what is the biggest key to this game, and how do the Broncos walk away with a win, a win that they desperately need? I mean, don't let their pass rush take over and stop the running game. I mean, if the I think that this is a game that the Denver Broncos will win. The Washington football team, they're just not a good team. But if they if they do win, if they if the Broncos do lose, it'll be because Chase Young's able to take over and control the game and they're able to control the game with the running game similarly to what the Browns were able to do offensively and defensively. So, we'll see what happens um in that aspect of it, especially with not having Mike Purcell, even though Mike Purcell's been a big issue in the run defense. Losing him still hurts, especially with the concerns they have with the linebacker position. It's going to be uh, a, a group task to really stop slow down this run or this running game of the Washington football team because that's where their offensive line is built best. Um, Taylor Heineke he struggles a lot, and I think that the secondary should have their chances to take advantage of that if they can get some good pressure, which their offensive line isn't the best at protecting the quarterback. So. No, I, I don't disagree with you. And to me, quite honestly, it starts up front. And it's not only Chase Young. I know you shouted him out there. But Jonathan Allen, the interior defensive lineman they have, is probably a top five pass rusher along the interior defensive line. He had two sacks against the Green Bay Packers uh, early in the first half last week. Or, yeah, last week. Um, that guy's a game record. They also have another guy in Deron Payne, a former first-round pick. I believe that he was a teammate with Jonathan Allen at Alabama. I might be wrong on that, but I believe that they were they were together for at least a season. And then on the other side of that, they have Montez Sweat, who's been playing really good football as well. But that's where this this team lives. Like they live and die with that pass rush. It's a staple of the Jack Del Rio defense. We're going to play two man and try to get home with four, and they've got four guys that can actually do that and and destroy a game up front. Part of the problem is the back end of that defense has not been necessarily playing very well. They they average over 300 yards allowed through the air. So to me, it doesn't necessarily line up well for the Broncos here, and I, especially on the offensive side of the football. I appreciate what Teddy Bridgewater has done, but he's not a guy that's going to sling it all over the yard. We saw that in the first three weeks, but over the last, you know, the last three or four weeks, he hasn't been great. He's been nicked up for sure. He had the concussion against the Baltimore Ravens. He had the ankle injury and the thigh injury against the, the Browns. He moved a lot better, I thought, than people want to give him credit for. And he did kind of push the ball down the field, but you can tell that he's not exactly right. I don't think he's going to be right for this game either. 
the Broncos offensive line has also been not very good in pass protection. And that's a big thing. I mean, go back to the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders game where they gave up 17 quarterback hits to Max Crosby and a name of nobody's like, that's, that's who, that's who this Broncos team is right now. They're struggling in the passing game. It's, it comes down to the quarterback play. It comes down to the offensive line play up front. And you've got a team that can get after the quarterback and really disrupt some things. This is not lining up very well for me in the, in my opinion. Uh, Travis Weber, really fast before I let you expand on that, Eric. Uh, coming in here with some more stars. We appreciate you, buddy. Great show, Eric and Lance. It was good to share thoughts with you guys. Going to jump to the World Series and cheer on the Braves. Hey, go Braves. Uh, good night, Broncos country, and go Broncos on Sunday. Travis, we appreciate you, buddy. Now, Eric, what do you think about the, the just the pass rush in general against this offensive line? Is that something that's really going to be a – obviously, you said it's going to be a big issue, but is that something that the Broncos can try to figure out a way to alleviate, or are they going to play right into the hands with Pat Shermer just being as stubborn as he is? I mean, we saw what Pat Shermer was doing when Jerry Judy was healthy. It was a lot more of a quicker passing game. And with Jerry Judy expected to be back. Now, if he doesn't play, this would change things up. But if Jerry Judy plays, I would expect to see a more of a quicker passing game, mm-hmm. letting Judy win early on with his route running, hitting him, and using that to slow down their pass rush and open up other things on in the passing game. I think that's how what we're going to see if Judy plays, which is part of the reason why um, I think the Broncos can go out there and win this game is having Jerry Judy back is just so crucial for this offense. There's a reason why after losing him and KJ Hamler, this offense really looked even worse than they, than they did. I mean, with them, they weren't the best unit out there by any means, but they still managed to take a step back losing them. And I think we'll see why when, with uh, Jerry Judy in this case. Well, and I don't disagree with that at all, especially with what Jerry Judy is able to do on third downs. And this Broncos team has been incredibly bad on third down. And the, the Washington football team, their defense has been bad on third down. I got some actually statistics to kind of debunk that just a little bit for Washington. It also applies for the Broncos as well. But uh, with without having a guy that can work over the middle of the field and create instant separation and work with the ball in his hands after the catch, like a Jerry Judy, like a KJ Hamler, this offense has been really held back. And Eric, you and I were talking about this before we got going live getting Jerry Judy back might be the biggest boost this Broncos offense has seen in two years like quite honestly because of his ability like I said winning and getting instant separation and creating stuff after the catch with the ball in his hands if if the Broncos do really want to improve upon their league worst off, uh, offensive production on third down. They are literally the worst in the NFL on third down offensively. And they're going against the worst defense in the NFL defensively on third down. Jerry Judy's going to be a big part of that. Now, this is the caveat that I want to kind of throw into that. And Eric, we talked about it a little bit before. And yes, it does apply both ways for the Broncos as well as for the Washington football team. But if you take a look one time at where the, uh, the at the teams that the Washington football team has played thus far this season and why they might be as bad on third down as they are, take a look at the quarterbacks that they've played. The teams that they've played thus far to date, I'm just going to run through five of them. They have week one against the Chargers, week two against the Bills, week three against the Falcons, week uh, six against the Chiefs, and week seven against the Packers. Those teams are, the Chiefs are number one on third down. The Bills are number two on third down. The Falcons are number six on third down. The Chargers are number seven on third down. And the Packers are number 12 on third down. Look at who those quarterbacks are. The Chargers, Justin Herbert. The Bills, Josh Allen. The Falcons, Matt Ryan. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. And the and the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers. Those are five out of the top 
probably 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no reason, there, there's no wonder why, in my opinion, why this Washington secondary is as bad as they are giving up yardage to the passing game and why they're so bad on third down. Like they're they playing elite quarterbacks every single week, it seems like. Except they also struggled against Daniel Jones and right. Jamie's Winston. Yep. And while they're not the same, Jamie's Winston's that same kind of caliber of quarterback that Teddy Bridgewater is. Yep. Different styles of play, but they're got they're just that same caliber. So I mean, it's like the Broncos. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, even as old age, he still can win with with smarts, which is what Peyton Manning was able to do there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Derek Carr. I mean, those are guys that there's a reason why the Broncos defense struggled so much against them. They were able to take advantage because of the quarterback. But it still it goes into all of that, and neither of these units are good units. No. Their DVO right DVOA rankings are not that great. And are pretty terrible, actually. So just some issues there that uh, you got to fix out. I mean, you're going to give quarterbacks, face all types of quarterbacks, you got to perform against them all. Um, if you don't perform against them, you're just a bad unit. It doesn't matter who you're going against. You're just, right. if you struggle, you're not good. Um, before we get out of here, I just want to make one comment too is um, didn't really want to talk about Locker or Teddy Bridgewater. Like, I'm so tired of that debate. But I, there was a lot of people talking about um, Teddy Bridgewater missing reads. And there's there's no question that Teddy Bridgewater misses reads. Yeah. Every quarterback will miss reads. It happens. There's other factors that go into this as well. If they're looking on the to their right and they miss the open receiver on their left, okay. Now, where's the pressure stand? Are they able to actually have time to turn and look that way? There's other factors that go into this. So automatically when you see an open receiver, doesn't mean that he missed that read. There could be other factors in play here. And for every person who says there is critiquing Teddy Bridgewater, which he deserves for missing up receivers. Are you doing the same thing with drew lock last year? Like it was what's getting annoying to this point is that all these excuses have been made for drew lock and he doesn't deserve it. But these people who want to give Drew Locke excuses are not willing to even acknowledge any of the issues that are going on around Teddy Bridgewater. And these excuses for him, which shouldn't exist for Teddy Bridgewater either, are just being completely swept on the rug. And it's all his fault. Last year, it was all Pat Shermer's fault. And I saw somebody in the chat talk about how Pat Shermer's not good. But it's that doesn't matter. It's all Teddy Bridgewater. Like, come on, guys. Like, Drew Locke isn't good. Like, Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> isn't good. It's just how it is. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't given the job. Teddy Bridgewater went out there and won the job because he's the smarter quarterback. Yes, he's turned the ball over multiple times over the last few games. Well, guess what? Drew Lockhead did that multiple times. Like, come on now. Like, call a spade a spade. These are bad quarterbacks, and the Broncos didn't do enough to fix it. No, they did not. They did not. And before we get into a deeper rabbit hole than we are already in, we're already over our time limit, guys. It's an hour and four minutes. So we're going to wrap it up here. And thank you all for watching the Dove Valley Deep Diver. Scott, I got the controls from here. Thanks, man. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you all for, for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys follow me on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Guys, also, at DVDD underscore pod. That's where you're going to find out what we're talking about on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast every single week. Uh, Also, at Mile High Huddle, 
That is the mother account. You're going to find breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos every single day. Film breakdowns, opinion articles, quote breakdowns, anything news and noteworthy regarding the Broncos. That's where you're going to get it. Also, shout out to Scott Kennedy running the ones and twos behind the glass right now at Scout Kennedy. Uh, Facebook supporters. Excuse me. Make sure you guys go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click that blue become a supporter button where you guys are going to get premium content, including the trickle zone, which airs every single Saturday at noon. Mondays. Mondays now. Okay. Mondays so because I, of my mom having surgery. Um, I can't do Saturdays anymore. So we moved it over to Mondays. Okay. So Mondays we're going to, I'm guessing you're going to do some breakdowns of the game that just, um, or what do you got going on? It's the game that just happened and it's Mondays at 1 PM mountain time. Okay, well, I missed the update on that, so apologies for that, guys. But you're also going to get Kelberman's Corner, and you're also going to get Broncos Book Club with Chad Jensen. Uh, Folks, if you guys are financially able to do so, and this is something that everybody kind of wants to do, uh, head on over to huddleuppod.com. That's the merch booth, guys. I'm a concert junkie. We don't get it the swag. It's the merch tent, okay? That's where you're going to get your hats. You're going to get a hoodie. There's a T-shirt. Anything to suit your fancy, a face mask, a coffee cup, a onesie for your baby if that's what you want. Something for the, something for the guys, something for the gals. Uh, every single podcast is featured on huddleuppod.com. That's where you're going to be able to get that. And, guys, if you are not able to do so, the three things everybody should be doing at this particular point is subscribe. Wherever you guys are watching this, YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, leave a, a comment and a review. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see, like every article you guys see. If you like it, you're going to love it. And if you love it, you're going to share it. Share it to as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because that is the most organic way you can help us grow our following, get our get our content out in front of as many Broncos fans as possible because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, let's run the comment section one more time. And, well, uh, somebody asked about Albert real quick, but on my saw a comment about that earlier. Um, it's still possible he plays. We'll probably find out tomorrow. Same with Jerry Judy. Um, not for sure if they play, but if they get pulled off injured reserve, it's probably looking good for them to play. Um, he's still on injured reserve as is Jerry Judy, as is Jonas Griffith. So keep an eye out for that tomorrow. The MHI guys will probably cover that stuff tomorrow night. Um, but, uh, things are looking good for Albert O to play. He's just got to come off of injured reserve. Yeah, and hopefully hopefully he is actually good to go because that adds another dynamic weapon to this Broncos offense and probably a better blocker than Noah Fant and might actually free up some better 12 personnel looks where you can flex Noah Fant out as a receiver, maybe get him into the slot and attack the middle of the field uh, going away. Like, honestly, to me, the way that the, this Broncos offense needs to look moving forward is you get Jerry Judy on one side, Noah Fant on the other side, run a lot of mesh concepts because that's going to confuse <laughs> a lot of defenses and it's going to open up the middle of the field and hopefully somebody can win with some athleticism. So hopefully Alberto is ready to play on Sunday. Now, uh, Peter Middleton jumping in saying he uh, loves the show. We appreciate you, Peter, for doing everything that you do behind the scenes and showing up some stars and everything like that. Good to see you in the chat as well. Uh, thanks to James. Thanks to Todd. Thanks to Drew the Fool and everybody else for joining us. Eric, before we get out of here, any last words well i gotta give a quick shout out for gary smith for uh mentioning dick trickle um <laughs> actual guy i'm actually related to him so uh, always funny to see that in there um but here's the thing last thing on the quarterback thing before we get out of here this team was built to thrive off a strong running game with a great defensive play that was supposed to be top five and then a quarterback that can manage the game and not turn the ball over okay great defense don't have it Running game, 
don't have it. Teddy Bridgewater controlling the game, not really, because and he's turning the ball over. Like the the issues are just so abundant with this offense and with this whole team. Like pointing it just at the quarterback. I mean, it was similar last year, except that a lot a lot of last year's issues you can be more derived right on Drew Locke. But um, like it's just uh, some issues there. I mean, when you're when you're not succeeding at what you're built for, it's going to be a long season. Broncos aren't succeeding with what they're what they're built for. No, and I I don't disagree with that. One thing that I will say is sometimes, and I notice this in in the Browns game specifically. Sometimes it's not necessarily about the X's and O's. A lot of times it's about the Jimmys and Joes, and these players just need to start playing a lot better. Like I've said that so many times on here, Lance. I've argued yep. with you about it that it's yes, not all Pat Shermer. Uh, no, I'm I'm not saying that it's all Pat Shermer. I do believe that there are some X's and O's things that he's doing that do actually create some good opportunities. I think that there are some issues with him utilizing his personnel correctly. The scheme is fine. Util- utilizing the players in the way that they need to be utilized that is the issue there. And also. You got to have your guys go out there and win a one-on-one matchup, man. You really do. Uh, Peter Middleton dropping some stars here. Positive ti- uh, positive vibes towards the Broncos. Get the win. Prayers up. Uh, I have uh, – guys, make sure you guys go over uh, milehighhuddle.com. The Mile High Huddle roundtable piece with all of our predictions is up there live. It went live, I think, about 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, so make sure you guys go check that out for our predictions. I have the Washington football team winning it. Eric has the Broncos, but you can go check out some more analysis there. With that, guys, we're going to say goodnight to every single one of you guys. Shout out to Scott behind the scenes. For Eric Trickle, I am Lance Sanderson. Thank you all for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, go Broncos. Happy Halloween. And happy Halloween. Yes, (laughs) yes. Happy Halloween to everybody. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great weekend. Go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.